So Rabbi Landa really deserves many introductions. Um, I had the privilege of having Rabbi Landa at our house once for a Shabbat I don't remember what the occasion was, but I remember. That was, a, it was an enjoyable one, I remember. We also, this is actually really the meetings of the Masada. In this room tonight, you may not recognize him, but we have your second grade Rebbe. And in this room, we have a Talmud of yours. Rabbi Kamins, do you remember Rabbi Kamins as your second grade Rebbe? Of course I remember him, yes. Fondly. And we have Alex Puddles as a Talmud. So this is really personifies what Torah is all about. The Messiah from Rebbe to Talmud to Talmud. So I guess that could really be all the, the, the introduction that all we can ask for is to hear the Torah and the Messiah as we enter the final stretch of the Yumei Hadin. Thank you so much for that introduction. You know, I was last week I was by a Suda Sachnasa Sefer Taira, and somebody introduced Rib Shalom Kamenetsky, and they just laid it on thick, you know, Rashkibaha, Godal Hadar, Isha Ashkailas. And Rab Shalom Kamenetsky got up to speak and he said there was a there was a secular American Jewish Zionistic tourist who came to Meir Sha'aran and he saw two little Yerushalayim boys with curly payas and with big white yarmulkes and they were adorable. So he went over to them and he said to them, and he takes out his camera, you know, smile. And typical Yerushalmi Azaz Tektusha, one of the boys says to him, why don't you have a yarmulke? So the, um, so the fellow smiles and he goes, yes, I have a yarmulke. Hashamayim is my yarmulke. The boy thinks for a moment and he says, such a big yarmulke for such a small head. So Rav Shalom said, such a big introduction for such a small per- person. But thanks for the introduction. to see Rebbe. And thank you, by the way, for that delicious Shabbos. I, I, I vividly remember every part of it, including the sushi zalch. I, I want to share, I, I want to share, Mamish, one fantastic, amazing thought which I saw last year, and it's, it's a mashal from the Dubna Magid, but it's very hard-hitting, and it's very tachistic, and it's very real. Dubna Magid brings down that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to modernize the mashal. I just find that when you make, take stories and you bring them down to Tafshin Pei Gimel, it's a little bit, uh, it's more tangible. So the Dubna Magid brings down, and he says that there was a, there was a young couple from Lakewood that had a chasna all the way in Long Island, the whatever the Dubna Magad's liquid in Long Island were. And I'm not going to do any more improvisation, just take the mice the way it is. And they had a chasna all the way in Long Island. They hired a babysitter, and it was the middle of the winter, and they traveled all the way to Long Island, and they went to the chasna. They come back. On the way back from the chasna, they want to run into a very serious winter storm. It's not posh, it's not simple. And Betsam, they should have pulled over, but they were nervous about the babysitter, what was going to be with their baby, and the babysitter, and they kept on driving, which was a terrible, drastic mistake. And they hit a large black sheet of black ice and the car spun out and it went over the side and it went down a cliff and Rahman al-Tzlan, they didn't make it. And the babysitter is waiting, knew where the parents and eventually the Kila finds out sadly that terrible tragedy occurred and now we have their four-month-old baby at home and it has no father and has no mother. What do you do? So the older brother of the deceased young father who had a bunch of children of his own him and his wife, Mermikabo, they graciously and compassionately accepted upon themselves 
to take this child and to raise this child as their own, the same way, love the child, cherish the child, the same way a biological parent would. And they did. And they gave this, they doted the child with incredible compassion and with love. And the child had no clue that it wasn't one of their biological children. He actually looked a little bit like the rest of them. When he got older, they sat him down and they said to him, listen, we have to tell you a story. And they told him a story, told him about his parents. They told him that he was, that they took him in, but that they loved him the same much. And he said, you know, it didn't really do much to him. He says, you're my parents. You'll always be my parents. And thank you so much for everything you've done for me. And then he kind of just went back to being a kid to his brothers and his sisters, which were his cousins. Time passed. He grew up and he went to yeshiva and he became a Muslim. He became a fine young man. And eventually it became, it, he reached the age of marriage. And Shaduchim started being suggested to him. And it seemed like he went out with so many fine young ladies and it just never, it never connected. It just never gelled. And he just wasn't getting where he was getting older and he was getting older, he was getting older. And one day, a very close friend of his stepfather's, his uncle's, comes to him and he says to the father and says to him, come on, I want to go out. I want to go out to dinner with you. There's something important I want to talk to you about. Okay. They go out to dinner and he sits down with his friend and he looks him in the eye and he says to him, listen, your son's been in Shaduchim for a, a bunch of years already. And it's not going anywhere. And we all know that you also have a daughter that's been in Shaduchim for a bunch of years and it's not going anywhere. Don't kill me for saying this. Think about it before you come back and you respond vehemently. But maybe, maybe your stepson is, is, is a shidduch for, for, your daughter, for your biological daughter. Their first cousins, halachically, they could get married to one another. Maybe, maybe. The guy says, that's the craziest thing that was ever said since the days of Adam Arisha. That's impossible. He says, sleep on it. Think about it. And if it ever, something you could talk, identify with, we'll talk about it. Talk further. It's not what happens. A few days pass, a few weeks pass. He talks to his wife about it. Well, I said, they're matim for one another. And he sits down with his daughter and he says to her, what do you think? And she says, what? He sits down with his son. But them too, it grew on them. I don't know if they went out on dates. I don't, I don't know how these things work. But uh, sure enough, not long, late, not long after that, they got engaged to one another. And, you know, one side never had to pay for everything. <laughs> or maybe, you know, it came, it was a beautiful vart. It was a magnificent vart. But, you know, one person footed the whole bill. He, the the kala's ring, the chassan's watch. It was, it was like, you know, one person doing everything. But they spared no expenses. This was a tremendous simcha. Marrying off two children in one shot. Shaila, marrying simcha, but simcha, I don't know. Whatever. Make a very long story short. The chasna arrives and it is... There's, there's so much simcha in the room, especially the Kahila people that knew them, their friends. There were moments when people had their, their, the, you know, their hearts in their throats, if you want to say it, that the, the father walked the daughter down and then they quickly ran back to walk their son down the chuppah. It was a little bit bizarre. And you know, the first dance, usually it's awkward, which the father, the chassan, or the kala who dances first here, it was worked out right away. But they danced together and it was it was a beautiful chassan. Gehebed a chassan. And really, everyone was there kind of from one side. You know, wherever, every, you know they have in Lakewood, they have these saves that said Chassan's side, Kal's side. It said Chassan and Kal's side. Sit at that table. It's literally what it was. Beautiful Chassan. And the couple got married. And you know what? They had a magnificent marriage. They were so matim for one another. They had similar value systems, a very similar upbringing. Even the Mechotanim got along. It was, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. 
The young couple, the father spared no expense and he bought them an apartment and he bought them a car. I mean, was, this is his kids and, and everything went well for about six months. They moved to a little bit of a different neighborhood, not to be too near the Schwiger, however you look at it. And then the, the, young, boy, the young man met a, a chevra, which in, in hindsight was a tremendous mistake. He should never have connected to this chevra. And it was a chevra that partied a lot and did things that were so not char in character of this young man. And he started spending more and more time with this chevra and spending less and less time with his wife. And he'd come home late at night. And it, it wasn't a good matzav. It wasn't a good situation. And she said to him, what's going on? And part of his character came out that she'd never seen before. And one night he came home at very late, very late at night, smelling from alcohol after a long party. And she hadn't really seen him the whole weekend. They got into a terrible fight. And they said things that they never should have said. He said things he never should have said and did things he never should have done. And that was the matter, the patish, the straw that broke the camel's back. And she quickly runs into her room and she packs a small suitcase. And she runs back home late at night to her parents' home. She comes home, her father, she's crying. Her father is seething, seething, he's furious. I don't understand what happened. I, I took this kid when he was four months old and I raised him like my own child and I gave him my own daughter. And this is what he does. He spits me in the face. I never, ever want to talk to this kid ever for the rest of my life. And I'm taking away anything I ever gave him. And the next day, Taka, the guy comes home and the apartment's locked and his car is not there and he's on the streets and he moves into a friend of his and it's Geferla. And a few weeks pass, and he realizes the terrible, terrible mistake that he made. And he's so full of charati, so full of remorse. It's geferlich. What could he do? He's heard from people that the father said he'll never talk to him for the rest of his life. One Sunday, when he knew that nobody was home besides for his stepfather, his father-in-law, he decided he has to try once more. He's missing his wife. He realizes the terrible mistake that he did, and he knocks on the door, and his Father, stepfather, Shver opens the door and um, he says, you, and he tries to slam the door and he puts his foot in the door. He says, I said, I'm never speaking to you ever again. The young man breaks and breaks out to tears. He bursts out crying and he says, you're right, if, if I was coming as a son-in-law, you know, but, but I'm here as your child. Maybe that at least you'll give me to have five minutes and you never have to talk to me ever again after that. He says, okay, and he sits down and he shares the incredible remorse and charata, the deep charata that he feels for what he did. And he promises and he begs and he pleads. He says, I promise you, if you give me one more chance, I will treat your daughter like the Malka Sheba Malka, the most incredible queen. I will cherish her and I'll dote her over her. And I'm telling you, you'll see, you'll see. He says, let me think about it, but I don't think it's going to happen. But a few weeks later, the girl starts longing for her, her husband, and maybe she realizes he made a mistake. And when she talks to her father, he shares what happened. And the father calls the fellow back and he says to him, I'm giving you a six-week trial. I'm letting, you back. I'm letting you back into the apartment. I'm letting the couple back together. You have six weeks. If in those six weeks, you are a malach, you treat my daughter so royally, so beautifully, and you show then there's a reason for the, to try to continue and work things out. If not, I will never see you for the rest of my life. 
In those six weeks, you can't imagine how this guy was. He was there every breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There were chocolates and flowers and notes and garbages taken out even before there were garbage in them. There was so many things that happened in those six weeks. Taka, after six weeks, she realized that her husband was back and the shver was happy. And the couple was able to get a, a, you know, get a new start, if you want to call it that. And they lived happily ever after. They were going to advise them in Israel. The Rabbin Shalalim is the Avarachman, and we're that child. And he provides us and he gives us every single thing that we ever could think of. He gives us life itself, and he gives us Torah, and he gives us every single thing Rabbi Shalom gives us. Mamish, a chesed for no reason, just because his rutzen is because he wants to give. That's all. It's the greatest chesed in the entire world. And, if not, it's not, and not just that he gives us Chaim, and he gives us every single aspect of our life, but he also gives us his most precious daughter. He gives us the tire. And he says, cherish her and take care of her and appreciate her and you'll have an amazing life. We get distracted and we get sidetracked and we start focusing on all the things that the Shver doesn't want us to focus on. And we ignore his precious daughter. We do things and we say things that are so counter to everything that Tyra stands for. And then we don't have a foot to stand on. And Kaviyachal comes Rosh Hashanah and the Rebbe Shalom says, what? You're here asking to get back together with the Torah after everything I did from you? Kaviyachal, you spat in my face. And this is what, this is what you're asking me for? You're asking me for Chaim Shal Torah? Chaim Shal, what? But we turn to the Rebbe Shalom and we say, we're not here as your son-in-law. As a shver, it's takashver. We're here as your child. Avinu, not just Malkeinu. Give us one more chance. And the Baal Shalom says, okay. But he doesn't even give us six weeks. He gives us one week. The week between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Sarah Chuva. He says, during this time period, you have to show me how much you care about my Torah, about my daughter. You have to go above and beyond. You have to keep Pas Yisrael. You have to keep Chav Yisrael. All those things that maybe your whole year you don't. You got the flowers, the chocolates, do whatever it is. No hoicha kedusha, Hashem Hashem by, by Kriya Satara, whatever it is, you show me that you are the most incredible husband and you're, there's nothing in the world that's more important to, to you than my daughter, than the Torah Kaviyachal. And then Rebbe Shalom says, I'm going to give you a second chance. My dear Chaverim in St. Louis, this is where we are right now. We're a few days in to that week-long period. And Friday comes, I just tell my Talmudim today, my 12th graders, Friday is like almost not a day. And then Shabbos is almost not a day. And Erevim Kippur is almost not a day. So you have like two and a half days, Sachakol, to show the Rebbe Shalom how much you care about his daughter. Let's hop around and understand that Avinu Avarachman, our father who cares about us and loves us, there's nothing in the world that will give him greater nachas ruach than if we recommit ourselves to his daughter. We could recommit ourselves to his Torah. And Be'ezer Hashem, with that thought in mind, and actions based on that thought, the Rebbe Shalom will say, you know what, I'd love to give you Chaim Taivim, and each and every one of us will be Nichtam, the Sifran Shal Tzadikim, and we'll all have a year of Chaim Taivim, and Be'ezer Hashem, the upcoming year, Tavshin Pegim, like my Yekesha grandfather says, Teheish Nas Pe'er Gadol. It's going to be a year of incredible beauty, Ruchni Yisdika Beauty, Gashmi Yisdika Beauty. Thank you so much for this opportunity, and a Gemar Chasim Amen. Thank you.